Hello and welcome to On The Ball, the podcast that would never take off on a flight of fancy and leave an inexperienced assistant in charge. Appropriately enough for a Norfolk-based podcast, we've made it to Nelson. It's episode 111 of On The Ball and I'm Steve Sanders, aka at NCFC Numbers, taking over hosting duties for the week from Michael Globetrotter Bailey. Three championship wins in a row, two clean sheets in a row and back in the top six are Norwich City on the march again. And has anyone ever said before that winning when not being at your best might be a good sign? We'll talk Krull's chest, Hanley's gonads and Gibbs ankle. And is that the best moment on a football field from a teenage Aaron Ramsey since before Ryan Shawcross hit the scene? Plus deep tan defectors, Bournemouth doing their best Norwich City impression. And we'll try to guess which left back none of us have ever heard of will be here by Thursday. And the delightful panel that you'll hear discussing all of that and more starts with a man fresh off a plane from Croatia and fully prepped for this podcast, like the true professional that he is. Michael Bailey, how was your break, Michael? Oh, it was lovely. Thank you, Steve. Um, yes, very nice. I was, was curious sitting at Colney this morning at nine o'clock about uh, eight hours uh, having a bit uh, since I got home uh, and they've been like not, not, not sure what I'm gonna ask here not seen any football for a week um but we 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 we, we won it wanged it winged it and um and we, we got away with it much like the previous 15 years of my career so it's all good by the way your 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 um your intros are always so much better than mine I think you should just maybe just always do the intro regardless Steve <laughs> please well, uh- I think when you've got a when you've got a long weekend to prepare and not much else to do with that weekend, it does help. Um, but you know, I'm here for those extra services. Um, I'm going to say free of charge, but you know, we can negotiate. I'm sure. Um, anyway, as you know, I I love an unbelievable stat, and we have one um, with our next guest because this is the first time, as revealed earlier today, that Zoe Morgan has been on on the ball after a win. So hello, Zoe. And how exhilarating a feeling is it to be able to combine not only a win, but an on-the-ball appearance in the same weekend? This has been what I've been building up to for approximately <laughs> the last year of my life. The uh, the chance to come on a podcast and talk about Norwich City winning. Um, it's a real great honour. Um, and it will be quite refreshing not to have to come up with the real positives out of losing to Manchester United again or some of the other joys that I've come on after. So, uh, yes, it, it's going to be a new experience. So hopefully I'll cope with it. How on earth has that happened? Like, is this, a, is this purely a book? Do we need, is it Michael thinking we need your brand of positivity or is it a pure coincidence or is it just Norwich City aren't very good and don't win very often? I think it's just the last year of Norwich City not winning very often and a few kind of scheduling probably peculiarities, I would say. So, yes, it's a real delight to be winning um, and get to talk about that. Yes, it's a real delight to have you on. What a double whammy we've got. And um, last but by no means least, we have Dan Brigham. Dan, I'm guessing it, because I don't think you were on last week, so I'm guessing it's probably been a while since you were on after a win too, but um, I, I, I think... I can't remember what happened last. Was it after the Wigan draw, which felt like oh, a, yes. a maybe a moral victory? Uh, judging by how far we'd we'd, dro- we'd dri- dropped in the Premier League over the last year, so a draw felt like a good result. Yeah, I don't know if tomorrow victories count as victories. Let's say that they do. Let's say. Um, anyway, great to have you all on at this uh, slightly unusual time for us. Not that it will make anyone any difference to anyone listening on a podcast. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> um, so. Um, after after that fantastic bit of linking, I guess we get on with it and start talking about the football. So I'm queuing Michael up. 
it is time for our headline act. Absolutely goddamn soon. Look at that. Um, so luck deserted the Black Cats on Saturday as their manager departed on the eve of the game and a combination of woodwork, Tim Krul and eight blocked shots from Norwich City defenders kept them out. That meant that the Canaries took all three points back from the northeast, thanks to Josh Sargent's tap-in 14 minutes from time, meaning he's already matched his entire tally of four goals from last season in just the last 13 days. Um, so, Michael, you did eventually catch up post-press uh, conference this morning. Um, 48 hours after the rest of us, so you can offer us a bit of a fresh perspective on this one. Um, you didn't get to do your hot takes over the weekend, though, so maybe you could <laughs> give us some now in the style of your hot takes if you want, or if you just want to talk like a normal person, then feel yes, free to do that too. Please, because I'm only going to do funny noises again, aren't they? And they'd just be stale takes by this point. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, um, yeah, I, I, I watched both games in full from the week. Uh, over the course of today, which was lovely. Um, having known the score, obviously, and maybe a general idea of how they went. Um, on the Sunderland game, yeah, I thought uh, I thought Norwich created quite a bit, actually. Uh, I was kind of expecting them to have been really rank and then have just sort of nicked it, but they didn't. I, I, thought, I thought on chances it was quite even, and in fact, Norwich probably... Uh, created better chances than I was expecting. A lot of the... A lot of the shots blocked from sort of out of the outside the area and it was brave but you know the the, the quality of the finishing probably wasn't great from Sunderland's perspective either um and then I thought the, the goal gets better each time you watch it the way it was created the movement and, and the quality on it um it's a brilliant take and then cross from Aaron Ramsey uh and yeah just um and then after that I thought you know it's probably reasonably comfortable uh, the substitutions did 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 really add. I thought Norwich had a much greater control from that point on, and they did sort of sit on Sunderland a bit, uh, and they'd run out of steam. But so yeah, I, I think um, it was a it was gr- good to see them sort of grind it out in terms of the way they defended because they did defend well, and there was some really big chances that Sunderland couldn't take. Um, and then happy days, so everything looks great. You know what's what's to worry about? I, I saw. I think on the Sky coverage, someone said, "Oh, you couldn't." A half time might have been Robert Earnshaw. You couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. Well, there were two divisions between the two teams. I mean, you could, I thought, to a degree. Um, um, but yeah, happy days. We, we are moving in the right direction. Having watched it retrospectively, then, like you had an expectation that it was going to go one way. Like, where, as in that it was a bit of a, a steal from Norwich, where did that come from? So it's just from looking, viewing social media or seeing reports of the game? Or? Yeah, so um, there was an app which has a sort of a m- momentum bar and things like that. And it, lo- it looked like Norwich <laughs> hadn't really done much apart from when they scored in the period, which is probably a bit accurate because, you know, I suppose maybe the 10 minutes when they made the changes leading up to the goal was when they were most on top. And, and just from, I mean, I, I did. I was, I was in a foreign country. I wasn't really paying attention, but you know, you just sort of pick up on the tone of it, and the tone seemed to be that it was backs to the wall. Norwich dug in, they hung on, and somehow they found a goal. And it, it didn't watch like that at all. I thought, I thought, um, and obviously Dean Smith wasn't particularly happy with the performance, and no one seemed very happy with the performance. And I can kind of understand that there was no real control. But again, you, oh, clicheville, you're going away from home to a team that's just gone up. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. They're full of energy. And then God knows what the Alex Neal situation does to the whole dynamic of it all, because those players are probably feeling pretty, uh, pretty uh, shamed and, and rejected. So um, there's an element of sort of proving that, that wrong as well. Um, 
But I just, I, what, what probably, it was an encouraging performance with the ball, even if Norwich weren't playing well, because I thought they had some really good opportunities. I mean, Josh Sargent could have scored a hat trick. Um, and and there was there were some some pretty good performances in there, and then they kind of dug in when they needed to as well. So um, yeah, it was just that sort of that mood from social media, really, which is obviously such a great great um, way of of judging it. But and then the, the Bournemouth game was 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 awful. I thought just in terms of, of 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 watching it, it was just so there was no tempo to it. No one cared. You could tell, and uh, you know, I thought Norwich were good up until the points where they scored and then just disappeared. So it just it's just really interesting watching a game from scratch when you when you've got all the perceptions of it and then sort of separating it. But I, I find watching a game twice quite interesting anyway. <laughs> Maybe I'm just weird. I think I think you revealed that weird quirk on last week's podcast. I mean, at least they won. It would have been a lot worse to. I can't imagine having to go through a game that you already know they've lost and watch all ninety minutes. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I'm sure I've probably watched them twice as well. Um, yeah, Zoe. So I mean, the phrase doing the rounds was that it was a bit of a smashing grab, or certainly saw that used a few times. I mean, I know you may not have the uh, benefit of a momentum bar, um, whatever one of those is, <laughs> but how smashy and how grabby did you find this? Or, or do you think we deserved it a bit more than was being made out? Um, yeah, I think like at the time, especially during the first half, I think everyone watching it as is, is a maybe... It was a bit sort of... It was a bit of a concern, um, certainly at times. I thought um, it was kind of the biggest occasion, I suppose, away from home that we would have come up against this season and I think you know obviously the atmosphere and the ground what the players have gone through um this week like that that is a lot to face up against um you know away from home a small smattering of of people that could face the 4 30 start in the morning to to go and support them and you know that's that is a that is a big thing to come up against whether you're one of the favorite teams in the division or not I don't think that that should be taken too lightly um, and it's no real surprise that Sunderland sort of came out of the blocks really quickly. I think, um, I think what's good is that we didn't concede. We, you know, we defended well. We, you know, we might not have been playing our best, but I certainly think that, you know, Grant Hanley came out at the end of the game and said it's the worst we played all season. Uh, to me, um, the Cardiff game was a lot worse because it was a lot more. I don't know. There was something about the Cardiff game that just made you think, "Oh God, it's the same team as last season. They're going to play the same. That you know, they don't really know what they're doing." This was a kind of, I guess, slightly below par performance in this brave new world that we've got, where we are learning how to win again. We've got some more exciting, creative players coming through. You know, Nunez probably had his poorest game, but he was still shooting from outside the area. He came close a few times. Like the the worries from the Cardiff game were not the same worries from this game. And I think that that's the really positive thing. And, and, you know, second half, I thought we were a lot more settled, a, a lot calmer. We, we had most of the way through the game, we had the better chances. Um, so, yeah, I think you can, I can see why people were worried during the game because it was quite a nerve wracking game. You didn't know what was going to happen. You know, if Sunderland had taken the lead, I don't think you'd have been that surprised, but I don't know. There's, um, we're still playing like that team that has started to win games. And I think that's the really positive thing to take out of it. Yeah. And I think, I think worth mentioning as well that Sunderland did start the game above us in the table and were unbeaten in 10 at home. We hadn't won away in 11. <laughs> so, so I think to get an away win from this is, is probably a decent effort and by anyone's book. Um, and it was a kind of a solid defensive effort, wasn't it, Dan? I mean, I, this was, 
absolute peak Hanley in, in my book. I think if, you know, when he's long gone in five years, or, you know, five, ten years' time, whatever it may be, I'll probably remember this game as a kind of typical Hanley game. But he kind of typified the uh, the way that the uh, defence and, and, and crew were throwing themselves at the ball at times. Yeah, I mean, his gentleman's area certainly typified it because that, <laughs> that came in for a lot of punishment through those 90 minutes. Yeah, literally putting his body on the line there. I thought it was quite interesting. I mean, in this morning's press conference, Michael Dean Smith talked about they've been um, investigating new ways of getting their body on the line and blocking shots. <laughs> like I remember if that was this press conference or post-match, but it just made me think, is, is he literally just talking about using Grant Hanley's bollocks for that? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. But I thought Grant Hanley alluded it after, after the game where he said maybe uh, in the first couple of games they didn't show that kind of grit and determination to really get through 90 minutes. And they very much did. You know, they had a little bit of luck, but as did Sunderland as well. Um, but you, you earn that little bit of luck when you're putting your body on the line. And we were playing a really a bit like the first half against Millwall. We were playing a side who are very physical in midfield, who are winning the 50-50s, made us look a little bit um, slow in midfield at times for the first 60 minutes. Um, but you've got a you know, mitigating circumstance of the fact Liam Gibbs went off after 10, 15 minutes and we were left without a holding midfielder again. And we really missed a holding midfielder, especially when we're relatively open as it is with, the, uh, with our formation and with the attacking players we have on the pitch. And it was a real sort of sense of turning the tide when the, the three uh, substitutions were made um, and a sense that we were in, sort of entirely in control after that. It was really weird, like... It was almost a sort of freeze-frame moment where uh, Krull pulled off that amazing save and then uh, Hanley's um, gentleman's agreement pulled off that amazing save immediately <laughs> afterwards. Um, and then we made three substitutions a minute later. And then after that, it was like it was like an entirely different game. I mean, Sunderland obviously don't have the strength in depth that we do um, and visibly sort of tired, I think, uh, in midfield. And Todd come, came on and made a big difference. He played that sort of role in midfield where he connected... Uh, the defence with the tack a little bit better, sort of dropped deeper, um, kind of showed what Dowell had failed to do, despite the fact Dowell's been really good in the last couple of games. He sort of, he, he had one of his uh, poorer games yesterday and he's, Todd stepped up in that respect, I think, and really made it a little bit more cohesive. And because Sunderland flagged a little bit, we got on the front foot a bit more, which A, you can take it both ways, you know, two ways. One, negatively, we were pretty much dominated for 60 minutes um, in terms of midfield anyway. Um, but positively, we, we managed to turn that around and looked much the better side in the last half an hour. I thought it was um, interesting. Dean talked about how how the the gap between the front and back of the of the team was just too big, and I think that's been a slight recurring theme in in a few games now, where it's just been too expansive. They've been too expansive. They obviously want to open up the pitch, but they want to do it quite quickly and when they're in control of things. And and if they're if they're in a phase where they're controlling the game, they, they do want to sort of sit on them much more and just try and win the ball higher. So um, I think that that space, you could see how that just created this loss of control when the game was in transition. And that was when Sunderland had their had their better moments. So um, I kind of like the fact that Dean Smith is pretty good about pinpointing. He was he was last year really pinpointing when, when things were working out. Um, but he was pretty good at pinpointing where the, the, the tweaks that he'd made and what they were. And you could kind of see how that had impacted the game positively. So I think if that's coming through and he's communicating it to the outside world, then you imagine that's also something he can communicate to uh, his players. 
And I guess you'd think that when Hayden does hopefully eventually return, that plugs that gap to an extent in the way that Ollie Skip would plug that gap two seasons ago as well. Mm, or just yeah. play Grant Hanley's um, gonads a bit further forward. And have, <laughs> I mean, have that, is, that is a truly gruelling training session, if that is our new, you know, just, just <laughs> aiming squarely between Hanley's legs and be like, right, we're going again, we're going again, until you're completely immune from pain. With this. Um, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying Dan, you playing the hits as well with your um, defensive midfielder, uh, takes it's uh, it's one of it's one of my favorites um <laughs> I, I, we haven't actually mentioned uh josh true Hardy. though isn't it true. it is true yeah, yeah it's uh it's one of my favorites because it's so true um we haven't really mentioned josh Sargent yet um and uh, i feel like um michael and i were able to issue a bit of an apology last week but i don't know if you know he did his enthusiastic hound thing that ben talked about again quite well and obviously got the winner <laughs> um zoe what did you make of josh and um is, is he is he kind of, is he all the way to winning you over or is he still a little bit to do? Well, I don't think he, he needed to go as far to win me over as um, to, as with some people, um, naming no names. Um, <laughs> maybe the people that suggested that he might be on loan to Rotherham before the end of uh, this calendar year. Um, but <laughs> he just looks like a different player. Like, I, um, you know, last season, every time he got the ball and you would just think, like what's like what's he going to do now that is going to make us all laugh like is he going to fall over it is he going to just kick it straight out of play is he going to balloon a shot over the bar you know what what bad decision is he going to make this time when he gets the ball and and now you know he's not a perfect player by any stretch but the confidence that he's got and the turnaround with the way he just approaches the ball I think it's just um it does feel like we've just got a whole new person there and he really does offer something different to some of our like other players he's physical he can jump he can head the ball um you know and he is that outlet and his his aggression and you know I, he's oh he's actually done it and he's nearly done it into you know when strikers chase down the goalkeeper to try and get you know the the block in and you watch Pookie do it and there is absolutely no intention that he's actually going to make contact <laughs> with the ball I'm not sure I think it would make him jump if that did happen but with Sergeant he actually seems like he's gonna get there and you know that intensity and that non-stop nature of his play, I think, will be so valuable in this division. And, you know, who knows whether he's capable of playing a step up, but certainly in this league, um, you know, he's he's real a real asset to to the club, especially the way he's playing now. Um, I did feel a bit sorry for him in the post-match interview when he was reminded that he's already equaled last season's tally and it's a very sheepish smile <laughs> from him. But, you know, when we signed him, I don't think anybody was suggesting he'd be a goal machine. Um, That didn't seem to be top of the list. It was more about his work rate. And if he does combine that with with the goals, then I think we're on to a a decent thing for the rest of the season. I thought his his reaction to that that question sort of does say it all. I think that's why even through last year, last season, I don't think anyone, anyone offers anything personally towards Josh in terms of criticism. I think we all know he's a young kid who, who's, you know, doing what lots of people want to do, which is play football. And he's, he, he, you never say he hasn't busted a gut. It's just whether he's feeling confident or not. I mean, if, if he now had the ball dropped to him 20 yards in front of an open goal, he would just, he would just hit it true into the middle of it. You know, it, it wouldn't be what happening in Brighton. So the whole circumstances are different. I do think, 
again, I don't know. Hopefully, I'm not just repeating myself from last week. But I, mean, I do think you can tell the, the intensity of the defending between the Championship and Premier League is light years. So he is getting more time. Some of the time he needs um, and space he needs technically to hold the ball up, you know, he gets in the Championship that he didn't really get last year, I think. Um, and, you know, he probably should have scored that one where it sort of rebounded off both feet and somehow went wide. But I think he knows that as well. But likewise, the, the, the one where it came to him and he hit it first time, true bang on target, I thought that is a sign of his confidence. That's a sign of someone who, who he doesn't really mind. He's going to take that shot. doesn't matter if it go, doesn't go in because he, he fe- he's feeling good about himself. And, um, and also, I think, you know, they're sort of playing, playing to, to his strengths in that central role quite well. But the confidence he then took when he went slightly further out to the right um again you know we we've i've asked questions and i've heard people ask questions about well you're playing centrally now so now you're good and it's not is it because he looked really confident when he was playing slightly wider so so much of it is about how confident he's feeling and the place he's at and you can't take away you know it's it's why the the apology is is is, is always a bit muted because last year he was brought in to do a job at the premier league level um and he wasn't ready for it, ultimately. And that's a fair criticism. If anyone thinks it's a harsh criticism, it's not, because that's just the circumstances of that. Um, and you can't really take that back. Um, but, you know, I think you can see now where he's at. He's got a great opportunity to go and do something quite you know, special this year if he goes and scores a load of goals and becomes a real talisman for Norwich's attack. And he himself said, told me that. He was like, I, I didn't want to leave like I left Bundesliga too, because I want to score some goals at this level. I want to prove myself at this level that would be really good for me to get those goals. I think it really would. And if he keeps up at this rate, um, he'll be going to the World Cup, won't he? There's, there's a chance, right? I would. I, mean, I would. Yeah. Well, if he keeps up at this rate, four goals in three games, if he can keep that ratio up until <laughs> November, they'd be very silly not to take him, I'd say. You know what the best, th- the best thing would be if he got more goals than Mitrovic last season? Imagine it. It'd be amazing. <laughs> All the stuff made out of... Uh, uh, anyway. What does he have to get to to beat what did Mitchell? Was it 41, 42? I think, I think if he gets to 40, he'll <laughs> be all right. So. I'm not, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to condemn him again at the end of the, at the end of season pod if he only gets 40. Um, can we do a brief bit of, uh, of Alec Neal? Um, obviously, I mean, let's talk about his incredible tan, Dan, because I know that that's a, you know, that, that, on its own, I know it's not what the Sunderland fans will be talking about, but it's, uh, you know, it, yeah, it, it, it's it's quite incredible for a for a, you know man who lives who grew up north of the border. I've never I've never seen Stuart Hodge anywhere near with a, a tan as <laughs> glowing as Alex Nils or Alex Nils. Sorry, I've, I slipped into Baileyisms there. Why, uh, what, Dan? Dan, why do you keep calling him Alex? Why, why are you doing? Why? <laughs> Carry on. Uh, I remember he would after he was sacked by Norwich City, he came in to the Cairo office when I was working there. Um, and it was only about five days later and he came in glowing, like teak his face was. <laughs> he just had the perfect, and he said he'd just been away, um, I can't remember, somewhere like uh, southern Spain for two days. And he came back looking like he'd been in Spain for about 18 years. He, yeah, he, he, and he looks incredibly healthy, doesn't he? He's obviously enjoying life. And why wouldn't he now? Because he's, by all accounts, got a, an incredibly huge pay rise to join Stoke City. But what, what we did see from um, Sunderland was how well drilled they've been by Alex Neil. They looked like an outfit who knew exactly what they were doing in the system they were playing in, a bit like Norwich did in 14-15 um, when he came in. He's an excellent manager. Who knows really why he's chosen to join Stoke City? That's been speculated about a lot. But I imagine 
he will do a really good job there and he'll probably turn the, their fortunes around this season. Does anyone know, and I'm very much putting you on the spot here, the last time Norwich City played a team whose manager had just departed and who the caretaker manager was that was in charge? Gonna oh. keep talking so as not to leave dead <laughs> air here. It's yeah. it's usually after we've played them that they <clears throat> that they lose their manager. Yeah. <laughs> it was last year. <laughs> um, if I told you that there was a that it was a little bit of a link to was it uh, the Lambert and Cold? No, no, not Lambert. Not Lambert. A little bit of a link to the weekend. Quite a quite a big link, in fact, to uh, Chris Hughes. Was it Alec? No, it was Alec Neal leaving Preston because Frankie McAvoy took uh, charge, didn't he? Yes. Alec Neal and Frankie McAvoy yeah. in April twenty. Oh, what is it about that? eh? Gosh. Yeah, um, we play Stoke on the 29th of October. So maybe he will, if that run were to continue, he's he's not going to be there very long. <laughs> um, <laughs> but let's assume that we will play Alec Neil at some point or Alex Neil, whichever one of the two brothers it is. Um, Michael, um, comments? I'm going to come oh. to you for, for this. Yeah, well, let's say we've got, we've got some on, on Josh, uh, Stephen Stibbons. Uh, maybe, just maybe there is a player in Sergeant after all. Uh, just to be safe, I'll leave it until Christmas. Which is by which time I, he'll have gone to the World Cup and scored uh, yeah, a, twenty a load of goals against England. Twenty-two goals. We'll be halfway through the season before the World Cup. So I, I tell you what, as a compromise, Stephen, we'll say the World Cup because <laughs> that's November, and I think half the season would have been played <laughs> before the World Cup, which um, which is crazy, really, when you think about it. Um, so that was grand. Uh, there was another one, a couple of on Josh, of course. Um, uh, Jonathan Blathwaite. Hey, Jonathan, friend of the pod. I have to get him on soon. Sergeant costs nine to ten million, which is po- probably the going rate for a champ- good championship striker, which he's now showing. Hopefully, he develops into the top striker many predicted he would do. I don't know though that you say that, Jonathan. I mean, te- I don't know if many championship clubs have got nine to ten million quid to spend on a player, but um, I, I, you know, I can see where he where he is with it definitely. Um, uh, oh, that, that's a good one from Michael. I'll pop that one in, up in a minute. But James Hotchkiss says, nice to get our first bit of silverware for the season. I assume the friendly cup versus Sunderland is still a thing. I mean, is it? Did that? I, I must have I completely forgotten. Is it a thing? Did anyone mention it over the course of the weekend? Um, I, I didn't see anything. I mean, presumably we would have done a trophy lift on the pitch. Um, here, <laughs> but Richard Keyes would obviously have uh, been furious that <laughs> yeah, we'd yeah. over-celebrated. It, de- it definitely is still a thing, isn't it? The, the trophy still exists. It I d- think so. I remember it getting pretty... It got smashed up after one of the games, though, didn't it? I, 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 from being behind the scenes of some of these Sunderland fixtures, it was getting a bit to the point where they were like, oh, you might as well take this. <laughs> I think it was a bit play, like that. Did we play them during the COVID season? No, we didn't, did we? But I had vague recollection for some reason of us not being able to give them the trophy or them give us the trophy because of COVID. But I don't yeah. know. Uh, maybe Alex ran off with it. There's an athletic story in this, definitely, Michael. Ahead of the, ahead of the home <laughs> game. That's true. Um, and then Michael Garwood uh, has come in with Sunderland has been called smash and grab. Uh, what are your other favourite smash and grab wins that stand out in your memories? Saturday reminded me of West Brom away in 2012. The most one-sided match I'd seen yet. Somehow we won 2-1. Goals from Sermon and Morrison. I'm not sure. I think I missed that one. And I I, that I, This question does get asked um, at various points, and I always struggle to remember them, which I guess is the point of a smashing crab, really, isn't it? That you're being rubbish and then you win, and you're like, oh, all right, it's gone down as a 1-0 win. Rotherham, the season we, last season we went up. Yeah, two one win. Yeah, yeah, big parallels to that game from Saturday. Um, Well, does a smash and grab have to be a one nil win? 
I see. I kind of feel like it does. You can't have yeah. already scored. Yeah. You can't do two smashes back. and two grabs, can you? No, you have to. You have to win one nil. I think. Very much singular smashing so, and grabbing. If anyone well, else can think of um, some some cracking smash and grab one nil wins, is where does the origin of smash and grab come from? Is the idea is it like a robbery where you've smashed a window and then grabbed what you want and then and then left? I don't understand. <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> I think you nailed it there. Yes, <laughs> just yoink. And uh, get gone. Yoink! That's what yeah. Sergeant said as he tapped the ball. Into the net. <laughs> there, there must um, be there must be a cliche, a football cliches podcast on smash and grab. There yeah, must be like somewhere. Yeah. So go and listen to that if not. Um, Am I, but yeah, ideas ideas gratefully received, and we'll share some of them later in the pod. Am I allowed to have um, the? the 2-0 win from the Everton season because that was 1-0 until very... Uh, sorry, the Everton season, the Premier the last season... No, not the season before last time we were in the Premier League when uh, Campbell and Strabeni scored because that was 1-0 until the end and then the 2-0 was just uh, an yeah. icing on what the cake. Possibly, the if we can't think of any more. <laughs> the problem is, to me, like Norwich are always the better team and we're just, there's a huge <laughs> yeah. injustice if we, uh, if we end up not winning. So I never feel like, you know, I never feel like we've not been you know, the best team, whether it's morally or actually. Okay. So yeah. I find it difficult. We we don't do the smashing and grabbing. We just get smashed and grabbed. Oh God, you might have to edit that out, Michael. Anyway, maybe that's a maybe that's a good time. No, that's fine. To, uh, Leave it in. Carry on. Maybe that's a good time for us to move on. Um to the slowly talking now while Michael gets the audio ready. Things that we're Michael's shaking his head at me, not going to talk about because we don't have a sting for this one so just oh, go on okay. just crack on <laughs> you, i mean you could, you could have just you could have just stopped me straight away no no um, we're live this is how the podcast works it's all fine yes, I forgot, Steve, I forgot, don't worry it's all fine anyway so uh here's the things not we're not going to talk, talk about. about that we actually are going to talk about uh, if you don't understand it by now then you never will um well i don't think we're going to be able to talk a huge amount about the bournemouth loss and penalties um but oh, yeah. as, well i mean i i didn't watch it but i have seen the highlights um but we were pretty close right i mean as in to going through uh you can't get much closer to <laughs> two we're leading two on an injury time and then only i think we missed one penalty after which hit the bar um from todd campwell um but michael you have um <laughs> however many hours after the game it was um watched it so um with your fresh perspective again what can you what can you tell us yeah i mean a, a terrible match yeah as i said but yeah that may be a bit harsh it was just just I mean, were the twenty the, the, the attendance came out at twenty thousand, but I mean, the actual TV pictures looked like there were loads of gaps in it. It was just, it just no one seemed to care, and it was obviously two very changed teams. I thought as the Norwich took the lead each time, and sort of just that sort of broke the ice, and then Bournemouth played a lot of football, and then they equalised, <laughs> and the second time they did it right at the end. I mean, the Norwich shouldn't really have gone out because. But then Bournemouth had a lot of chances, but no one really seemed that fussed about it. And again, you know, Angus Gunn made probably one or two really good saves, but then some of the finishing I thought was a bit lacklustre. Um, yeah, it just seemed like a bit of a wasted opportunity for Norwich, really, because that wasn't a particularly strong Bournemouth team and Norwich really need the games for, for their massive squad. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, it seemed a bit of a shame, really. And, and the, the, the noise when the equaliser the, 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 in the last minute went in was quite something like, oh, it's like the proper. And there, there's no, you know, I, I didn't, we didn't see the Bournemouth fans, but I'm guessing there was a, a very small pocket of them because you couldn't really hear them. And yeah, it was just a bit of a waste of a penalty shootout win, really, because no, no one heard it. 
and, and then they got smashed at Liverpool. <laughs> so let's talk about that instead. Maybe that's more interesting. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, wasted opportunity, really. But then I don't even know if there's another League Cup game until the Champions League group stages are finished. I think Is there something the, like that? I think the next League Cup match is at the beginning of November to purely to which I, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work presumably the rest of the games will be after the World Cup's finished but um, not, not really our now. concern now anyway dead it? to so, us um, and like you say we probably ended up having a better week than Bournemouth did ultimately so you know who are the real winners? Um, anyway, I feel like the, the tempo has has dropped on the pod in the same no, way no, no. that it did with that game. So I'm going to ask if anybody else has got anything else that they would like to raise. As a, Dan's hand is up. Penalties. We are so in 1819 when we got promoted, we had loads of penalties and missed them all. In 2021, we had loads of penalties and scored them all. This season, maybe we just won't get any penalties because I think pretty much. Five of the six games we've played so far, we should have had a nailed-on penalty at least once. We've had Max getting two-footed um, in the knee. We've had uh, Josh Sargent being grappled and taken down twice in two different games. And we've had Sam Byron being pulled back on Saturday um, right in front of the referee as, uh, as well. So are we ever going to get a penalty this season? And if we do, when... Uh, Timmy Pukki's not on the pitch. Who, who is our penalty taker as well? Maybe it's Lit- probably Liam not Todd when he's fit. He's, Liam Gibbs has scored two penalties out of two in shootouts this season. Um, Michael, I feel like you want to interject here because it's one. Am I right in thinking? I don't want to get you started on referees. Well, I don't want to get like, boring about refs. I was just no. Talking. Okay, so all right. So no boring. <laughs> right, no boring comments about refs allowed in this penalty shootout. Uh, com- not penalty oh. shootout. Just general <laughs> penalty. <laughs> Tim, Tim Robinson. Tim Robinson was the referee. So generally, any kind of discussions over decisions, if in that situation, I'm not. You know, they generally result in an argument because <laughs> Tim Robinson is the referee. So that that's just that. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I thought. I mean, the Max Aaron's one still gets me because it's just ludicrous. Um, I mean, the ones on Saturday were all pushes and pulls, weren't they? So um, it's uh, you know. I suppose because Norwich won, it becomes less of an, an issue. Although someone has put in in, in here, um, Jason Hayden has put, um, do you think the championship should have VAR? No. Um, no. And you you guys love having the d- discussion. So, you know, great. No, Hope you're really enjoying this. Love having been able to celebrate a goal without worrying about the yeah. not being given. Yeah. yeah. So, I'd... so therefore, and therefore, if there are loads of wrong decisions in the game, that's okay because you get to celebrate a goal. That's Yep. Yeah, that's 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 your trade-off. So you know, okay, that's fine. Um, I disagree, <laughs> but then I'm in the press box, so maybe maybe that maybe that oh, is. What, a so you're, you're right if you, you, you're valid <laughs> because you're in the press box. So what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just meant my perspective is different, Steve. Don't oh, okay. just, don't don't clip that out, anyone. I don't want to see that clipped out. Eight seconds. <laughs> Bailey's gone rogue again. Um, <laughs> Uh, what else? Uh, but I did find it interesting. Completely change the subject because I'm bored of penalties and referees. Um, I, did, I did find it quite interesting um, the, the reaction to Bournemouth being smashed nine nil because I know a lot of people kind of felt, um, oh, you know, that we, we were called a disgrace losing seven nil at, at Chelsea, um, uh, which which I can kind of understand why people would be a bit pent up by that. But you have to kind of understand that. Bournemouth, you know, spent a long time in the Premier League, then got relegated and they've just come back. Um, so it's not quite, you know, Norwich just getting promoted, smashed and relegated. Um, 
And also, they have already won a game, <laughs> which is something Norwich hadn't done over a pre- period of sort of seven games. So I can kind of understand. You're Bournemouth fan now, Michael. No, I'm just perspective. <laughs> perspective. It's I just not better. It's not, that was 9-0. <laughs> it's not better than what we've done. We've still got that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying the wider context. Of, we keep it respectable at seven. Seven is seven is a very respectable level. We tightened up at that point. They are so so cooked as well Bournemouth like they look like a team already do you know what I mean like I know they've got that win but they they are they look at that squad it's coming that's the thing (laughs) don't go too soon everyone it's coming when they get you know 20 points Mm. all in all in and I will say it again and I've said it also last season I'll say it again this year the gap between the championship and the Premier League is massive everyone ditching parachute payments because oh you know it's unfair in the championship all you're doing is moving the issue because I tell you what, it's just it's just night and night and day, night and day. Anyway, yep. Oh, Amen to that. Carry on. Um, anything, Zoe, that you don't want to talk about, but do? Uh, no. <laughs> stick around. <laughs> Thanks. Please, please do stick around. <laughs> well, to be fair, I did not have much either. The only thing I was going to add is obviously, uh, Dan, you've alluded to this already. The Liam Gibbs mm-hmm. injury. Um, Am I right in thinking he's awaiting, we're awaiting test results on that? Potentially not as bad as they thought. Is that right? That was what Dean Smith said today. Um, it did look quite nasty, didn't it? Because it was a proper, mm. it just went on his ankle. I think if, if you've got your ankle going on the outside or the inside, I think going on the inside like Liam's did is better than the outside, I think, because it's a more <laughs> natural role. I mean, obviously both are not nice. <laughs> But um, I suppose if you think about it, if you're going on your outside of your ankle, that's also the way you would probably side foot the ball. So most of your striking power will probably come on that direction too. So if you have a weakness that way, it can be harder to rehab it. So I think from what I was once told, it can be. Obviously, it's quite complex. I mean, I'm literally so confused about all the left-back injuries. <laughs> I think I probably confused Dean about it this morning and everyone <laughs> as to what they actually all are. Uh, so just assuming they're all out for a bit. Um, and then obviously Liam Gibbs isn't a left back, but that's you know another ankle injury. And there's lots of those with slightly that part of the leg. But interestingly, I did watch the game today in my living room with the boys, my, my little boys. Um, my youngest is four. And I went, oof, because it was a nasty injury to yeah. him. And I said, and Abby went, what, what? And and I said, oh, he's just hurt his foot. <laughs> he just stood in front of me, looked at me, went, has it fallen off? <laughs> I was like, no, it's all right. Look, both feet are still attached. So moral of the story is it could always be worse. It what noise did you make when uh, Grant Hanley made his block on the line? <laughs> <laughs> and, and did your four-year-old ask if anything had fallen off then? <laughs> <laughs> no, too young. Too young. Very young. Yeah. Well, um, Has anyone well, asked Hanley if, if he's intact, if, he, if he's well, okay? I mean, his, his interview. He did the post match. Was he? a little voice. Was a little when they said like leaving everything <laughs> on the grass? Did, did they mean? Did he mean that literally? <laughs> Someone How, take that gold mouth. Um, <laughs> did you deserve well, it, Grant? <laughs> <laughs> well, when they do the next drill with Hanley, they'll, they'll definitely be aiming for the inside of his ankle and not the outside. That's what I've learned from that. Um, and of course, I suppose the sad thing for Liam Gibbs, it's, it's almost, I mean, it's obviously bad news for us, but it's uh, probably worse news for him in that Isaac Hayden looks like he may well now be back before, he may, he may well be returning before Gibbs does, in which case, will there be a place for Gibbs? But that will all come uh, further down the line. 
Um, Michael, do we have any more related comments? If not, I'm gonna I'm gonna tee you up. Assuming that we've got um, any more, I mean, we definitely do have like musical interlude. So I'm not just <laughs> there is there is one for the next bit. Yeah, uh, I guess what 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 we did what are we talking about next? Oh, come to the transfer window, I think. Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, Craig um, Matless says hi. Don't you think Dan looks like Jeremy Goss? Lol. Um, is that? <laughs> That, we... nearly had to get the beat button out there <laughs> again again i was still trying to work out where there was uh, you know a joke to be made on you know block bollock shots but anyway carry on um yeah let's all right well should we move on then see go on you say it and i'll tee up a... i'm trying to work out what craig looks like but that's not good uh, for people listening on a podcast is it um right yes uh let's talk i don't know centerfold let's have some music <laughs> I, I i've just looked i haven't got any <laughs> What? So, hang on. Um, diddle little, diddle little, diddle little. There you go. Carry on. Someone's is this a deliberate ploy? No, no, it really is this badly organised. Carry on. Okay. I thought you. Were, I thought it was like just just to make sure that no one ever thinks there's any chance of him taking this over. I'm just gonna self sabotage. Yeah, I do feel sabotaged. Um, this was this was not part of the plan. Uh, yeah, so the summer transfer window will slam shut on Thursday, or more likely for Norwich City, will be gently eased shut. Uh, one uh, done deal is that uh, Sebastian Soto has finally departed the club after loan spells at Telstar, Porto B and Livingston. He's gone to the wonderfully named Austria Klagenfurt on a free transfer. What a tour of Europe he's been on. Um, Michael, I'm going to come to you first as a hotshot in the know athletic reporter that you are. Um, oh, no. I'm guessing the main item of business for Norwich City in terms of incomings will be a new left back. But what are the chances of that being done between now and, and Thursday? Yeah, um, well, the, the caveat here will be I have been on holiday for a week um, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm totally relaxed. <laughs> you know, and then, <laughs> no, no, we can do a to channel a former manager. I mean, um, I, I did ask Dean Smith whether we, it would be right to expect a left back between now and Thursday night. And he didn't say yes. So, and I think it is quite tricky because you're kind of, you're trying to recruit a lone player to come here and play some football for probably a few weeks max because, you know, I, albeit I'm slightly confused by how long everyone's going to be out for and what they've been actually done. Um, they will be sort of filtering back over October, I'm, I'm guessing. So you're kind of asking someone to come for six weeks um, and, and then maybe they'll keep their place. I don't know. So, I mean, it is doable. I know that the the link with the Mets fullback, whose name is it, was it, escapes me, um, uh, which I had written down once and asked about. Can't remember. Um, that that was kosher, but the idea of loaning in a player from somewhere like Mets, who you, for a short term loan, which is what I understood it was, didn't really. I don't know. It just seemed to make things really difficult. So you kind of want someone in the vicinity who can come in and who's happy to, who's going to be a good character, who's going to be happy to play, but also not mind coming out. Are there many of those players? I don't know. Are they going to just dip themselves out of, you know, six months of a Premier League campaign? I, I'm not sure. Um, would a club let them go? I don't know. It, it, it does strike me as a tricky one to make happen. But likewise, you don't know what what will happen over the, the remaining days. I don't see anyone else coming in. It's then a discussion of who goes out and, and maybe more to the point, who's done enough to, to warrant going out. I did think watching the Bournemouth game, you know, Milot Rashidza is not a bad player, but he does look absolutely crushed in terms of his confidence at the moment, just the decisions he was making and the, the dead ends. It's it's 
I, I think there'll be a spark. There'll be something that will bring something more out of him, hopefully, over the course of the season. But at the moment, he doesn't look like a player who, you know, a team's going to look at that and think, right, I'm going to chip you into the Bundesliga to, to find your feet, maybe. I don't know. But, um, and then I suppose the other one is someone like Josh, uh, Jordan, Jordan Hugill, who, you know, is, is now Adam Eder's back, is probably fourth choice striker, probably. Um, and he probably knows that. So uh, I can see him going out on loan between now and, Chris, and Christmas, but it's, you know, that's all the Cardiff link pick popped up again, didn't it? Which is something he did at the end of last season. I could definitely see that happening if, if people make it work. Um, so, yeah, that's that's probably what I'm envisaging. Uh, and so wait for the big sales and the loads of carnage going on <laughs> and, and all sorts. I'm not party to. Well, Dean Smith has said he's probably not going to, he doesn't like going down to the wire anyway, does he, on transfer deadline day. So I guess it'll probably get wrapped up if he's got anything to do with it quite quickly. Um, I had a couple of other questions, but Michael's covered it all in one fell swoop. I'm oh, sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> that was so comprehensive. I'm so used to talking um, to myself. Got, That's the problem. I've got nothing. <laughs> you and me both. Um, however, I think we can play the where will Milot Rashica be on Thursday but uh, after Thursday game, you know, Zoe, do you think do you think he will still be here, or um, uh, is he is he off to the Bundesliga, or will a Premier League team take a punt on him? I mean, it seems it seems unlikely, surely, that a Premier League team would have seen anything in the last year that would make them think he's the guy that's going to make the difference for us. Um, you know, to, for me, I, I kind of feel like it would be the kindest thing to let him go um, at the moment. It, as Michael says, I think his confidence seems to have sort of deserted him. And you get to the point with some players, I think Poeta was the same, that they've clearly forgotten everything that ever made them good at football in the first place. Like Sometimes it's like they get the ball and it's like, I'm sure I used to be able, I'm sure I used to do something good with this, but now I'm just, I don't know what to do. And I think their brains get so scrambled. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's hard to see how he fits in at the moment um, in terms of how well some of the other players playing ahead of him are playing his lack of, I guess, um, physicality work rate sort of, I think his work rate is often good, but he tires quite quickly. And um, yeah, I just don't think he's at the same level as some of our other players at the moment, whether that, you know, is still worth having in the squad. I don't know, but, you know, at his age with the potential that he's obviously had in his career, does he really want to be on the fringes of a Norwich team that he can't get into? Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd be surprised if it was Premier League, but I would not be surprised if he went somewhere else in Europe because it would be good to, for him, I think, to, to regain that confidence and, and understand what he what he does well, I think, again. Yeah, we're doing quite a number, aren't we, on uh, farming the 21-22 squad out around Europe and seeing where they end up so that wouldn't be too much of a surprise. Dan, was there anything else that you uh, wanted to add um, about possible comings and goings before then? Um, well, just a quick one on Rashid. So we've got, we're so well stocked now across that front three. I just wrote them down with Todd Anel, Sergeant Sanani, Ramsey and, and Rowe, and even Springett can play across that front three. I mean, there's no way really with the equivalent talent that Rashica should be behind some of them, but as discussed, his confidence certainly suggests he is behind them at the moment. But one other thing, actually, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this is, so we've got four strikers. Um, Puki and Sargent very much are numbers one and two, interchangeable. Adam Eder, Dean Smith likes a lot. Um, 
and we've got Hugel as well. Now, Ida, is he, is he going to get the opportunities this season with Puki there and Sargent suddenly firing? And if he's not going to get those opportunities, and obviously, you know, we can mix it up and play two up top, etc. So he has that there uh, for, you know, up Smith's sleeves to change it to two up top. If he's not going to get the opportunities, is Hugel not a very good championship number three striker? And just to get Ida some proper game time, which he's never had in his career yet, and he's 22 uh, isn't it, in February, is it worth sending him out on loan to someone who is going to start him every week? Because surely that will be beneficial for Norwich City in the long run. And I think he's good enough to play in a championship for us. And then when he was playing up top with Puki and those uh, before he got injured, he looked really good. He looked like Smith had sort of got into him and found out what he's good at as a striker. So I think absolutely if Sargent and Puki are injured, it'd be great to uh, be leading our line. But is actually, you know, for his benefit and for our long-term future at the club, should he be sent out on loan? I think, actually, it's an interesting argument because when you started it, I thought, it's not what I'd do. Um, and then as you, the more you expect, I thought, oh, maybe it's not such a bad idea. I don't think it will happen purely because... Um, football is so short-termist that Dean Smith will want to make his squad as good as it can possibly be right now. Uh, you know, he could ultimately lose his job in January if things don't go well. So he will want to keep the best squad available to him. So, I mean, from his, if it's purely down to him making the decision, I think it's probably going to be, well, I'll keep my best strike at the club, thanks. And ultimately, I guess, Ede is the one who you'd want coming off the bench if you wanted a goal ahead of Jordan Hugo. Although Hugo does do a good number, doesn't he, in coming on for the last 10 minutes, just kind of backing his ass into defenders and making them fall over. So that, it, there's still something that he, a part that he can play. But it was interesting that they both scored on Tuesday, actually. And, um, and also, I think he has seen... You know, I know there was that kind of the argument of we haven't seen any players that Dean Smith has managed to improve while he's been here a few weeks ago. Well, I think Ida is one who he did see improve and for those few games that he had in January, February last year, or last season. Um, so I think Smith knows he's got a player there and I do think that will be quite a big part for him to play this season at somewhere along the line. I just think, um, I just think Adam's the better player. So that he will stay and then he'll look at it and think, well, they were all contact injuries. He's been unlucky. It's now his time where he won't get those. And if he can be a part of this and that's the best place for him. And I've already sent Jordan out on loan before. So we'll just do it again, <laughs> I think in a way. Um, and also, I mean, I suppose to, to flip that on his head slightly, although you could argue Adam needs that time uh, game time regularly to prove himself, uh, Jordan is old enough that he wants to be playing and doesn't probably want to be not playing because he's not got much, you know, as long of his career as Adam either. So um, he might be more inclined to go, you know what, if you're not going to, if I'm not going to get much time here, I'd rather go out and try and play regularly somewhere. So that's probably another little facet to it. But, um, you know, play them all as a front three and go for it. Chuck them on. A four. Just a four. <laughs> all strike. You don't need a midfield in the championship. We've already proven that. It's fine. Yeah, if we didn't really have much of midfield uh, on Saturday and didn't seem to go too badly, did it? Um, is there, are there any comments on transfer issues, Michael? If not, um, I feel like I'm repeating myself here, but that we, we've got to have Motti queued up. Yeah, for Motti the love of God, Motti he, we definitely is have a Motti. <laughs> he is one of the, uh, one of the stings. Um, uh, transfer? No, not actually in terms of, trans of the transfer window. Not really. No, uh, oh, I'll say that though. Michael Rayner, uh, Rashidza played so well 
um, as a centre forward at Werder Bremen. It's interesting to say that, Michael, because I remember speaking to people when he joined here and they actually said that his weakest, his weak, he came with this idea that he could play as, as like a nine or up, up, the, um, up the middle. And I think he did score one or two um, cracking goals from that position, but actually his overall games and appearances in that position weren't particularly as impressive. So um, uh, I, do, I do think if there was more money in European football, uh, I think he would have a lot, probably he would still have more options to go somewhere in, I don't know, Spain or Portugal or or uh, or Holland I think he could you know do something really special there because he's you know he's technically very adept and and quick and he's a great ball carrier and I think once he does have his confidence then his decision making with the ball will improve um so uh, you know I think it's still a shame really because I think um he's probably a little bit restricted with where he'd go and it probably then depends on how much Norwich would want to cut their losses even on a loan rather than have him around the place because like well if he clicks here you know the championship he should be able to tear it all apart so anyway that's my view on that michael but yeah good good, good stuff um was another one uh i haven't read these first which is always slightly worrying but let's go for it uh, is it that Ida pookie works in a way that pookie hugel hugel doesn't so along with sergeant gives more options all around i think I that's it works in a way that you've just said and that he just better than hugo is <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah purely from a they're just he's just a better player yeah, I that's, did, that's um, the kind of searing analysis that you get from this podcast did you say that i did a i did a, a whole hour-long video with uh, tifo football on uh, why norwich are fill in the blank um last season um it was a swear word um screwed let's say screwed um which is which was a really fun video um and jj bull is brilliant uh, on it and and he broke down why norwich had been struggling struggling and he did literally say it's because well, players aren't very good which i you know i i sort of you know try to interject with um but there we go it's <laughs> good a, that it's good that took an hour to work. Also, <laughs> it was that on repeat um so yeah we uh we we got through that well anyway anyway yeah probably time to bring in a bit of a bit of Marty. yeah you give me a thumbs up okay well uh, go and do the link steve do the link um Q Motti, is that what This is almost fantasy football. There we go. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried. Carry on. <laughs> Long build up for very little. Anyway, this it almost doesn't feel noteworthy enough to mention these days, but it is a bumper two game week coming up. A trip to Birmingham City tomorrow evening, uh, as we record, uh, before Coventry City comes to Carry Road on Saturday. Um Seven wins and a draw in our previous eight games against Birmingham, and we've already beaten them on penalties this season, all of which means very little, really. But, Dan, um, I guess regardless of all of that, it's one that we should probably be looking to get three points from. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think they're one of the weaker sides in the division. A lot of people who watched the Championship last season tipped them for relegation as well. Um, then they started the season with a win, didn't they? Bajeta scored, um, but they've been poor since then. Um so, yeah, for a club like ours with aspirations of top two, then we should absolutely be winning that game. Although the cliche is no, no game is easy in the championship, but, you know, that game should be easy as games in the championship <laughs> go. But it's interesting, actually. I don't know um, where what Smith does because he's got he likes he does talk about he likes to leave good players in the stands. But it's, it's a real headache, isn't it? Because Pookie came on, looked good. Sergeant scored his goal from playing out on the right. Uh, Todd looked good when he came on. Sonani and Dow, who had been excellent the last two games, 
were relatively ineffective when they were there. We've got no left back. We've got no holding midfielder. So we're really interested to see where we go with that team and whether, and Smith must be tempted to get Sargent and Pukki in the same team and mm. are interested to know your thoughts. I don't want to hijack this by asking this question, but your thoughts on whether trying to put Sargent out wide again will work. Is that sacrificing having Sanani out there or having um, well uh, Todd out there or having Ramsey out there or whoever? Is that too much of a sacrifice or, or will it be effective? For me, it sort of brings to mind a little bit when Neil Adams was our manager in the championship and was desperate to claw Cameron Jerome and Lewis Graben into the same side and it was mostly ineffective. And then it, Alex Neil came in and decided, no, we'll just play with one of them actually and became much more effective. So I don't know where you think that might work is Will Sargent and Pookie work in that sort of formation? Oh, Alex Neil, what happened to him? Great manager. <laughs> um, I personally right now would not be moving Josh Sargent anywhere other than as a centre forward, given that he's just finding some confidence. And, I, you know, and again, I think played well on Saturday. So I think if Timu Pookie, I can't believe I'm saying this, and I feel like I... Ben Mounts to put the words in my mouth that there was a lot of Timu Puki slander last week. Um, but I think if, if Timu does come into the team and he did look very sharp when he came on, it has to be as a two. Um, I know Sergeant Josh Sargent scored his goal when he was playing out wide. Um, but I think I would be moving the team around slightly um, if I was going to put Timu in. But um, as I'm asking the questions this week, I'm going to duck out of a, of a <laughs> definitive answer on this one and ask Zoe instead um, how she would uh, line us up tomorrow, um, including including the left back conundrum. Like who's who's playing? Who's playing there? <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a tough <laughs> one. I mean, it seems. I think it would be, and you know, you as we said, we can't really take any game lightly. But in a game again that we would expect to win, hopefully, um, risking Sam Byram again, I just think would be um, just a really silly, silly thing to do. You know, we've got a long season ahead, packed calendar up until the World Cup. Um, I'd stick Kenny back in there. Um, obviously, that that means that our midfield could be a little bit interesting. But uh, you know, why not? give it a go, see what happens. You know, <laughs> apparently Sarah's fit to play. Um, and, you know, it, if he's as good as we hope he's going to be, then um, no job should be too big for him in, in that situation. Um, I would try, I would be trying to get Pookie and, and Sergeant in the same team. I don't know. It feels as much as I'm reveling in um, Sergeant's good form. It kind of feels like, being unfaithful to Pookie a little bit, just being so excited for Sargent and um, the idea of Pookie not playing when he's as good a player as he is um, seems a bit mad. Um, so trying to get those two in the same team, I'd def definitely be looking to do that. I think Onel coming on as a as a sub, an impact sub against the team he's been on loan at, I think could be a, a better option for Onel, which gives you a bit of space to maybe have Campwell in the team. I don't know. I'm probably naming too many players now, but um, <laughs> um, I don't think we should be too scared of it not being like for like replacements everywhere mm. because we've got we've got the talent and people are confident enough at the moment that um, we should be able to put a good performance in. Um, and yeah, I, re I remember the the game against Birmingham during lockdown. I vaguely remember 
I think was on, I think the pitch was absolutely dreadful. Um, and we really struggled for talking about smash and yoink jobs. I think, <laughs> feel like that one was, that happened last time. We really st- sort of struggled to break them down for a long period of the game. And then suddenly, I think Skip scored, didn't he? And maybe, was it 2-0 or just one? I think it was 3-1. It felt night. like we'd Scored. sort of, it. the scoreline didn't really represent what had happened, I think, that mm-hmm. that game. And I think you've got to trust, you know, you know, you can look back at seasons where you've been wildly successful and, and think, oh, we, you know, we cruised through these games that, you know, we won this many games and we cruised through all of them. And in reality, that doesn't happen. And I think the more used to breaking teams down, being patient, trusting in trusting in ourselves, we can get, that's where the confidence comes from because that's when you mm. can start, you can start to cruise a little bit because you understand how you, how you are better than other teams. And, and hopefully we can get to that point. I don't think we're there yet, but we're learning. So it's going to be a, a tough game, but the quality of our players, I think, should should win out. And and hopefully, um, yeah, even if it's tough at first, just just trusting in the system, trusting in the players, and, and hopefully we come out with a good result. Yep, that's what we all want. Um, okay, Michael, uh, Zoe's put Kenny at left back, so I'm going to leave you to uh, sort out the midfield, please. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I think probably out of all the options you've got, Kenny, um, uh, I, I think Sam will start. I, ju- I just think they'll just – it's like pre-season, isn't it? He – you know, if if he feels okay, I mean, he did it. He did it last year, didn't he? Where he needed to, he was like just sort of flung Sam in, and as soon as Sam ends ends up on the bench, he has to come on after twenty minutes. Cause I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's what happened last season. So, um, I just think that conversation you have between manager and player, I just think it will end up in being like, oh, you know, go on. It was it was three days. You'd probably be doing that in preseason anyway. We'll we'll west you west you through. Give us what you can from the start. If Kenny then needs to drop in and we need to be more attacking or do whatever, we can sort of work around it. So I think you can be a bit more fluid with what you're doing afterwards. But from the start, it probably does help having that shaped. Um I just think it creates a it creates a problem in the middle. Um but then I mean yeah, I just I don't think I can see um, Nunez holding, and I don't think that would be wise to do it with Sarah away from home either. I think that that midfield role is is a real issue until Isaac's back. Um, up top, I'm I'm sort of more relaxed about it. I don't like I don't think Temu has to come straight back in yet. I, I think it puts a wonderful amount of pressure on the front three to deliver. Um, and Josh is doing all he needs to. I, th- I thought Anel stretched the play actually, and in both games he's he's done pretty well. I, I as someone who's criticised him for his end product, I, I thought he's looked really consistent and and in good form recently. So I think he's starting to do the job he was doing sort of three four years ago. Um, so I, I think that's okay if he if he if he does start away from home uh, as 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 you guys mentioned uh, as former club to a degree. Um, but the pressure on those players to deliver is huge and they know that they've got to do that with goals and assists. I think that's a, that's a great position to be in. So, And then it will be up to Dean Smith to, to balance that. So if someone isn't delivering, he's got to work it out. Um, I just can't see Dean Smith playing sort of a, a striking two and then a, a 10 I've, because I think he quite likes the central one and then the two slightly wider. And I, I still don't really like Timmy playing in that slightly wide role. 
Although you could see from the chemistry of, of Adam and Timu together against Bournemouth for those few minutes, that was just that was a lovely goal as well to see them work that together. So you've got lots of options to change it, but I think from the start, um, I, I wouldn't make too many changes. I don't know what that means that he's starting with. <laughs> Who did he play? But yeah, you know, <laughs> those guys. Yeah, I on. think sounds like we've sorted out the team pretty well there. Thanks, everyone. Um, <laughs> do we think that um, Sam Byram has like some kind of hex going in that he does? You're right, always seems. Has he got like a Jakob Sorensen shaped voodoo doll or something just, just to, so he can get on the pitch in, in any position possible? Right, happening in centre midfield last year. Um, by my count, he's the sixth left back that we've played in eight games this season, which is just wow. crazy. Uh, but one of those was. Um, Tony Gary spring it too. I think we may not see that again. <laughs> Friend uh, of the podcast. Friend Tony of the podcast. Gary. Get him on. Get him on. <laughs> Add him to that list, Michael. Um, God damn. Do you remember in eighteen nineteen when we were chasing a game in the last ten minutes and we'd suddenly go three at the back? It would usually be Jamal and Max, but Jamal would be taken off. Max would go left wing back for some reason. And then Onel would be right wing back, which was terrifying, but was very effective, it seemed, in those, well, because we used to win games very late. Now, is there going to be a resurgence of the 18-19? Just go for it, lads. Uh, get Onel Hernandez as your right wing back and um, Max Aarons as your left wing back. Oh, you see, Dan, that's when all the strikers come on. <laughs> that's yeah. when they all come yeah. on. That's when you've named you know, five strikers on your bench. Sent your centre-backs up front on. as well. Yeah. Tim Closer channeling the spirit of Martin Peters <laughs> through the middle. It's amazing. <laughs> or Ian Peters. Yeah. <laughs> Ian Peters. <laughs> uh, I would love to see it. Um, I think we're almost ready to wrap up, so I will ask the Kenny Other Business question. Uh, well, it was Coventry, isn't there, on Saturday? Oh yeah, uh, so haven't, not... they haven't actually played any games <laughs> pretty did much because you... their pitch doesn't work. Did you irritate some Coventry fans two years Probably. ago? Oh, okay. Oh, I mean, we'd have to narrow it down. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I can't remember why. Don't okay, know. we'll probably, probably we'll bring it up. I'll, I'll remind wasn't you before that, wasn't Saturday. Wasn't that a smashing grab? Didn't they do a bit of a number on us, but we still won? Uh, yes, we did. We did win. Perhaps that's what annoyed them. And Mike has probably I, I, said something I, I, like we fully deserved it over 90 minutes and it wound them up. <laughs> I, I find Coventry a very difficult club to think about. <laughs> Just a very light. They're light blue, aren't they? Don't feel, like you're, really. don't feel like you're helping yourself here. I just, I'm just <laughs> being honest. All I remember is Leon McKenzie scoring for them in a pre-season friendly once. Uh, and my dad really not liking them because of what happened in 85, wasn't it? When they stayed up and Everton and it all got... Yeah, I mean... And no Norwich fan should be particularly fond of Coventry, in all honesty. <laughs> and they should bear that grudge of 30 years, ongoing, 40 years, whatever. Keep it strong. Well, you're, you're a big Bournemouth fan now anyway, aren't you? So, right? <laughs> so, wow. Be Just be balanced. My job is balance. Right. I, all I said was wait. Just take your time. It'll come. I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think our job is done here. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that's all for today's On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that's off to discover 
where those musical stinks got to. If you haven't already, then make sure you subscribe to On The Ball via your podcast player of choice. It's available free on a usual player. Just search Michael Bailey Norwich City or something like that on your preferred social platform, and there it will be. Ratings and reviews are ever prompted or it's hugely appreciated by Michael and therefore by me as well. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, just send Michael a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey, or you can send your suggestions for topics to discuss either by emailing twitikers at iCloud.com or using hashtag twitikers on Twitter. I think we're still doing that. Um, I don't normally listen to this bit, if I'm honest. So let's just see what we are. Um, Keep reading it, Steve. Keep reading it. (laughs) That's it. Thank God. It's long, that bit, isn't it? Uh, A huge thank you to our guests for tonight, Dan. Thank you so much. Thanks, Steve. Great job, as always, as well. Yes, yeah, round of applause, Steve. <laughs> I could still mess it up, guys. We're not out of the woods yet. <laughs> um, I think I'm okay with this next bit, though. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you for having me, Steve. It's been great. Always a pleasure. And uh, you have to come on after a win again soon. We shouldn't uh, We shouldn't just save you up for the bad game. We're not losing again for the rest of the season, so <laughs> plenty of time. <laughs> Is this the last, well, the last time you'll be on this season, <laughs> It's going to be all wins from now. Would you take that? Would you take not coming on the podcast again all season if it meant that we won every single game? Absolutely. I would take that personal sacrifice for the greater good. What a question. <laughs> I feel Imagine like it's... choosing being on the podcast over Norwich winning every game. It seemed like more of a dilemma when I uh, before I asked it. Um, perhaps it's a bigger deal to me than it is to anyone else. <laughs> or me um, when I'm trying to book the guests. But yeah, carry on. Quick. Yeah, I have to say, I think if the question was, uh, Michael, would you come on the podcast every week? Perhaps that's who I should have asked it to. <laughs> or... Yeah. I don't know which, which I, I, I did balance. I don't mind. Yeah, I love the podcast. I, I, yeah. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. There you go. Well, I bloody hope not. Please God, no. <laughs> We've been holding the team back all these years. We just stopped doing it. Um, anyway, thank you to you, Michael, as well. Uh, but you, you're welcome. I, I didn't throw in my Dobroveche earlier, so I can now say Dovigenia. Does that mean goodbye? Yes, in Croatia. Okay, yeah. that means goodbye in Croatian, everyone. Um, well, thank you very much. I'm just going to say uh, goodbye in English. So goodbye, everyone. And we'll be back next week. And uh, I imagine Mike will be in the chair then. So uh, have a good week, everyone. Bye. Bye.